Hello and welcome to, it's not, oh, it is listed on here, episode 17 of the Random Nintendo Podcast. I am Angel, your host today, and last time? Maybe. And the time before. Well, for Like and forever? I you, guess you've I'm kind just of become the, the de facto of... host, sort of. <laughs> well, you know what, I don't mind. It gives me practice because I feel probably my weakest point. I'm sure many people in the, those the audience in, in what do we call it in the tubes in, in the in the tubes in the in all the, the audience sitting in the in 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 the inner tubes or i guess we could still call them an audience right still yeah audience. our listenership ah oh, listener yeah i'm sure plenty of listeners could justify that but you know little by little we'll, we'll be getting better um joining me as always we have jason on Hello. below me below me and below a little you. bit to the right Hold on, we need to clarify. Are we like in a building and we're on different floors or do you mean I'm physically right under you? Because that opens up a whole can of worms if it's the latter. <laughs> I'm taking the the group call messenger orientation verbatim. Okay, so good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you're below me and Kevin is to my right. You really have to enunciate the B part of below because it kept you it, you keep sounding like you're saying bloby. <laughs> I'd like to point out so far just just for, for those Blow. taking notes at home. You've told Jason to Angel. blow you three times already. <laughs> and Angel started this whole thing with I need to work on my hosting skills. So what do we call our audience and what Jason what verb is Jason doing to me? Like you're already off to a golden start here. So <laughs> uh, yes, asking your co-host to blow you and knowing what to call your listeners. Yep. Well, quality you can only get at Random or Nintendo. Yep. And speaking of quality, that is pretty much what we have today because we do not have quantity. We only have like a few things to talk about. I mean, I only have one, but obviously Super Mario Brothers movie is probably, I would say, one of the most anticipated things. Maybe not an equal way to everybody, but clearly like, you know, if you've listened to us for a long time, you would know. That at the very least it means a lot to a lot. So, yeah, the fact it's finally here. The fact I was on a media blackout for it, and, and I did you know the we've gone through the that. scare, <laughs> we've gone through the the motions of oh my god, how redesigned are these characters going to be? Oh, Miyamoto is going to be like I guess like supervising them, and then you know finally seeing it, like you know we're here, we're on the other side, and well, let's do a real text flashback. Of, Remember when we and, thought that Kevin Hart would make a great Toad? And he would just oh be, God, it would just be a million little Kevin Hearts. That was like Ram Nintendo, OG Ram Nintendo, like five years ago. And now look at us. And it's yeah, Key Michael Key. Do you remember at least the year that it was just announced, like officially confirmed oh, that there man. was a movie um, in the works? It, it was might like have been 16 or, or right? 17. It might have been 2016 or 17 or something like that. But they have been shopping this around to various studios since at least 2014. Jeez. So this has literally been a... Oh, so this is Nintendo's proactiveness, not like Elimination. Well, well, I don't know if they shopped it or I don't know who shopped it to who, but Nintendo at one point was talking with Sony, funny enough, in 2014-ish about like – like Sony may have pitched them and Nintendo was like, "Mm, I don't know. But I was actually reading a piece about this. It was um, when the theme park started rolling, um, Universal put Miyamoto in touch with the guy that heads up Illumination and they kind of hit it off and started talking about like what would they make if they did a Mario movie and that's kind of what made it. A reality at long last huh? versus I mean, you know sony or them sending them pitches and just being like crossing their fingers and being like please pick us like it wasn't quite like that this was more organic it sounds like 
I mean, they already had the part, so I guess makes it the studios makes perfect sense. But yeah, so we all saw it. I mean, might as well just jump right in. There isn't really kind of no, jump because he's Mario Jumpman. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So I guess before Jason gets into his dissertation, um, yeah. I'm going to cut you off, Jason. That's at, uh, quite literally what I what I call it at the top of my I, notes. I, think, I literally well, have Mario movie dissertation as the title of my notes. Not kidding. I think I'm actually going to set some ground rules. So, Jason, yeah. you're actually going to wow. talk last because I know you're going to have very profound, deep thoughts about this movie. Okay. Where I feel Kevin and I will be a little more blunt and um, emotion-based and it'll just be kind of you know, well, we'll see how it goes. But feel free to chime in. But <laughs> if you're going to jump into a giant, um, I guess, topic, I would say um, save would it. Would you prefer if I put a pin? So if you guys may talk about, let's say, a reference that's made in the movie or something. Yes, please say out loud. Should... Put a pin in that and then we'll. Okay, because I was going to say, Shad, because I don't want to be redundant and say things later that you guys talked about before, but I also want to give you the space to breathe per your request. So, okay, there may be some redundancies, I guess what I'll say. That's fine. All okay. right. So, okay. overall, and I am asking all three of you, but Jason, I'm asking you to keep it within like a sentence or less. Overall, what are your thoughts on the film? Did you enjoy it? Did you dislike it? What do you think? Just if someone you asked know what, you Kevin, the street, you go first. Yeah, you walked out of the theater. Someone asked you, what do you think of the movie? Oh, what would boy. be your What would be your response? Uh, my response would be that as a Nintendo fan, I, or like a Super Mario fan, I really liked it. As a fan of movies, leaves, leaves a little to be desired. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have a younger kid that wants to see this movie, yeah, go ahead. Go with them. Uh, if you're a fan of those Super Mario games, yeah, go ahead and watch it. Don't expect anything mind-blowing as far as story goes, which... I have a lot to say about the entire discourse that this movie has started. I have more to say about the discourse that this movie started than I have about the movie itself. Um, like I always do. But, I, uh, I would yeah, like to say, Kevin, you, you have a great poll quote for the poster or the back of the DVD box. Yeah, go ahead. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jason? What were your overall thoughts? I mean, I I have a little trouble separating me as someone watching a movie and me as someone being a Nintendo fan with this one. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, man, there's so much I want to... I, okay, I'm not going to say anything more. You really... This is like a... I feel like I'm like a court-ordered gag order or something. Like, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I really loved it. Um, y- yeah. If I could expound on the movie, but why I went into it knowing I would love it. May I? No? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I think for me the thing was... Well... You mentioned you're on Mia Blackout. Kevin, I assume you watched it like a normal person. Like you saw a couple of trailers, like cool, and then you went and nope, saw Nope, I was also right? on Mia Blackout. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay, so I was the opposite of both of you. And I was, as you guys kind of know, I was absorbing pretty much every bit of content and activity that they put out for this thing. I mean, my hype for this movie, and the reason I'm giving this background is because it kind of colors my perspective of it. But my hype for this movie and how I expressed this hype was through the roof. I think you guys certainly are aware of that. Anyone listening to the past podcast is aware of that. Anyone that follows me on social media, it's 
all, I've been spamming their feeds with Mario movie stuff. But like it was reaching the point where, and I don't remember if I said this before, but like if I see a billboard when I'm driving around and I didn't yet see that Mario billboard, I would like find an excuse to be in that area again or pull over or something to get a photo of the billboard because like how often is Mario on a billboard? Which is absurd to say out loud and admit as a 33 going on 34-year-old man that I've been doing this. But I've been doing this for like a month. Um, it's also absurd to admit, I will admit, that I uh, they had this Mario Bros. plumbing van, like a real-life van they brought to the premiere and stuff, but it was making stops in L.A., and I spent two hours, that's longer than the runtime of the movie, uh, looking for it because they botched their own announcement schedule, and it's a Mario brand activation, and at that point, it was a sunk cost fallacy for me. Like, I had to see it through. I never did find it, by the way. They They screwed up. But my point is, that's where my hype was going into this. And then it hit, like, another fever pitch in the days going into movies release because uh, while the perks of living here in LA is that when they do big things for a movie, you're in the town where it typically happens, right? So sometimes you go to them by choice. Like they did this really awesome 10 minute drone show out at Sam Ock Pier, 600 drones, massive, like multi-story tall animations of Mario and Bowser and Rainbow Road and power-ups, really awesome. And then like the other thing about being in town like LA is sometimes you stumble into things. And Kevin, I, you, this one you know firsthand, you, me, and a friend, we saw Dungeons and & Dragons, and the theater, by complete coincidence, was hosting the Mario premiere like an hour oh, yeah. after a movie ended. So, yep. So being the hyped and, I guess, fairly selfish nerd that I am, I literally ditched you, Kevin, and our other friend for a couple hours because I wanted to scope out the premiere. We were going that. We saw Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. We, I think we all enjoyed it. All right. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, was, it was fun, but not spectacular. Are yeah. we, we going to talk about that movie in this episode? We could. Let's do it at the end. Yeah. Let's sure. End. Yeah. Uh... And then we're like, all right, okay, let's go to happy hour because it was about 4 p.m. somewhere around Yeah, that like 4, 4.30, yep. 4 p.m. We didn't see Jason back until 7.30, I think. Uh, a little sooner. It was more like 6. But still, that's way too long to ditch my friends. But here's the thing. So, like, when I went to the premiere, look look what the trade-off was for ditching you, Kevin. I, Chris Pratt and Charlie Day rolled up in the real-life Mario van that I couldn't find. There it yeah. was. And the Cantic foes with fans, as did Ann Taylor Joy. And Miyamoto was there, and Koji Kondo were there. And let me tell you, I got a great, grainy, zoomed in shot of the back of Miyamoto's neck. So, not sure I would even call it great. It was, it was, it was well framed. Everything around it was like a box with his neck in the middle because I had to zoom in between the van, the back of the premiere wall, some other ball, and some other. It was. It was totally worth ditching you for. No, it really wasn't. But um, but the reason I'm saying like all this stuff I did and all this hype I had is that like going into the movie, I had this sky high expectation. Like I went into the midnight showing. I walked like a giant. They had giant plastic warp pipes outside the doors of the theater. I had like an AMC exclusive like premium price popcorn tin I just bought of a question mark block like in my hand. And if this movie sucked, if it really wasn't good, <laughs> the reality of that would just hit me that much harder because of all this growing hype I went through in the weeks and days beforehand. So what I'm saying is my takeaway is, in fact, colored by the hype to a degree. And it definitely means I'm going to give the movie probably more leeway than the two of you in some regards, I'm sure. But I think it also means that it just had to deliver that much more to get me to be not just happy with nods to fans and Easter eggs and stuff, but like loving the movie as like an entire holistic thing. So coming out of it and being able to say, when you ask, what's the one sentence I've now done for five minutes, you know, what did you think of it? And me saying, I loved it. Like, to me, that has a lot of weight because of how much I was anticipating this. Like, the fact that I loved it surprised me almost, even though I kind of crossed my fingers and hoped it would be the case. Like, I was really happy coming out of it, not just loving it, but knowing that all that hype kind of paid off for me personally. So, yeah. Angel, what so did I you think it. of the movie? 
really didn't even say what I thought about it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, cool. Let's move on to the next topic. Yep. And <laughs> carry on, Angel. We got here Tetris movie. Nope, 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 nope. I will launch into that dissertation if you guys don't don't talk about yourselves. I'm warning you. All right. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I guess um, I guess I could jump into some more deep thoughts, and then we could bounce back to between Kevin and I and Jason. You know, as you see fit, but you know. Restrain yourself. We you just proved to us. That was me trying to restrain myself with just answering if I liked it. So, yeah. so I'm sorry, friends. Yeah so, yeah. so I would say, like, you know, as a whole, like, I loved it. Um, I thought it was great. And, you know, a lot of it does come with, like, you know, stipulations. Like, we know what we're, well, quote unquote, we know what we're getting into in the sense that, you know, we know it's a, it's a simple video game movie. We know. Or I guess we figured, and it showed that there wasn't going to be, like, a very deep plot or, you know, like, nothing super crazy or mind-blowing, like Kevin mentioned. But, yeah, I mean, I tried to go in with zero expectations as much as possible. And, yeah, media blackout did mean, like, not keeping up with anything, like, no promotional stuff. Like, when Something I want to say you, Jason. Universal. Yeah, that was, like, the, the only time I was spoiled. Like, just going to Universal, trying to enjoy my time at mario world or nintendo world and then like surprise mario kart's in the movie (laughs) yeah but yeah i think uh, my my hype is more akin to instead of like consume everything it was more like um pacing in front of like you know you're at the hospital and you're like waiting to hear if like someone made it out okay you're just like pacing back and forth in the waiting room that's Mm. pretty much how my hype cycle was until the movie came out it was just constantly thinking like oh man like are they gonna mess it up because at the end of the day and the way the movie felt like coming out of it it felt like the movie was like really made like for us like it was made yeah like specifically to be a indulgent easter egg hunt and yeah and almost like for the very reasons that i feel like it fails some you know filmmaking 101 things like you know pacing you could argue is pretty bad because it's neck breaking it's ridiculously this fast. movie Even... goes man it goes yeah, yeah. it does I... it does something, yeah, like something i did night... actually appreciate it was the hour 30 runtime mm. Mm. it felt fast but it also but you were never bored at least i was never bored like it just yeah. felt like something was always happening and i definitely right. caught myself a couple times saying like like, you know, they're off to do this task. They're like, okay, there's the next thing that we got to do. And then typically I'm like, okay, we're probably going to cut to like something else, whatever. Like, nope, they're already like deep into it or they're already, yeah, they're just moving. Like this movie is just boom, 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 boom. You're just off to the races. Like there's, yeah, there's barely any time to breathe, which you could argue is bad, you know, especially if you're, I would say, yeah, the the less attached you are to the Mario Brothers property, the the more these issues will actually become issues where, in our case, or at least in my case, I definitely saw them as a positive because I just wanted to see the next Easter egg. I wanted to see the next reference. Like, you're, we are so heavily rewarded for being, like, as close to the ground to, you know, and in love with Nintendo and Mario specifically, like, for all these years. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was... I think, yeah, just like, I don't know, it, you know, it, it feels like they cared. It's, 
and it feels so novel, and I guess because it is right now, that I want to say, at least as far as video movies go, this is probably the only theatrical one where it feels as close to the source material as any, I guess, movie-based game has ever been, off the top of my oh, head. Oh, for sure. Like, 100%. Like, not, like, like, it's not even, like, a contest. Like, they literally just, like, basically made it. Like, they... There's so much side scrolling in the movie. Like they didn't have. Yeah. Like you could say so many. You could say they didn't have to do that so many times. Like, yeah, I, I, I think uh, just coming out of it, I felt emotionally overwhelmed. Like, I think I was pretty much like either teary or watery eyed. I would say like ninety percent of the runtime. Like I don't think a scene didn't pass by where I wasn't like, oh my god, this is perfect. Like oh my god. Like, like I oh my god that little thing couldn't like, stop I would definitely... smiling my my face hurt when I came out of the movie like my smile <laughs> muscles literally hurt when I came out of the movie like Rachel would glance over at me because she went with me at midnight and like actress just like you were smiling like literally the whole movie there's not a single scene you weren't smiling like I know I feel it in my face <laughs> yeah it was just fun and yeah just rewarding like and then I don't know if it was just like the type of humor or like I don't know what it is about it like there wasn't anything completely like clever about it, but I don't know. It made me, or maybe because I was already like you know brainwashed by the fact that it's a Marvel movie. But like I laughed out loud a couple times. My brother and I did, and there were a couple of things that either just it, we either were laughing out loud or we got like a no, a good number of like hearty chuckles or sensible chuckles. Like yeah, to the point that if we're just talking about sheer joy that you get out of a movie after watching it. Like, right now, I feel like this movie would be at the very top, if not, like, mm-hmm. top three movies that, like, everything about it. Like, literally, like, I can't, there's only, like, one thing I feel, which is, but, like, not even Chris Pratt. I thought Chris Pratt was fine. He in was so inoffensive. Like, he carried it just <laughs> enough kind of to not be it. a problem. Like, it was, yeah, yeah, like, you just kind of, for, like, almost immediately, you just kind of forget. It's only, like, when they make the joke about it. But then, yeah, but, yeah, like, I, yeah, it's. It's definitely way up there. It's going to be... Yeah, it was just pure... Rough, I don't know. It was great. I I thought it was amazing. I'm, a, I'm, for what it is. For what it is. It, I think it's... I, I, I think I called it almost perfect. But yeah. When we get into... I'm, I'm curious. Some negatives. Yeah, well, I, I was going to kind of get into that because I'm curious. Because you mentioned two things that kind of... I was like, I'm very curious what both of you think. So one, you touched on voice acting with Chris Pratt. So I guess first and foremost, and then oh, I'll yeah. get to the other thing. What do you guys think of the voices? Like, do you have favorites, least favorites? Did they all click with you? Because, like, I'm going to be honest. I love Fred Armisen, but I don't know what he was doing with Cranky Kong. Fred, yeah, Fred Armisen was, was <laughs> the weak link here. It was sure. weird. Yeah. Like, I, he, he, like, I, I don't, it's, he just it's sounded like, like peanut butter in his mouth or something. It sounded like he was <laughs> trying to do an accent as well, but then not really. Like, yeah. Yeah, I would say it was horrible, but it definitely felt like, yeah, like, that, that, I guess that could have been. I guess that's something else. I had kind of forgotten about that. But. Yeah, that one, and, um, I mean, Keegan's Toad, I mean, I, what? I mean, I thought he was funny, um, mm-hmm. he was a great character, I guess I got used to the voice at some point, but, I don't know, um, I guess, it, it didn't quite was, cross over into the, it, hi, that shoulda, it was, like, just shy of it for a lot of the movie, like, once he squeaked, I think, but for the most part, uh, you know, he toned yeah, it like, down I, a little, which is probably good for, like, people's ears for 90 minutes, but, yeah, I know it wasn't like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess performance-wise, 
No, yeah, he, he was good. If anything, I think maybe the my next like most forgettable voice is probably on Taylor Joy's Peach. Mm. Like I don't know. I mean, like she was also fine. Like they, they. I mean, they. I would say they all did a decent job overall. But I don't know. I, mm, I don't know. Just nothing I mean, about her ever really stuck, especially the way Bowser's did for obvious bias reasons. And Jack Black just I, thought did a great job. But that's what I was about to say. He stole the show, right? Yeah, easily. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that what you felt too, Kevin? Was there any, did he kind of did Bowser sort of steal it for you, or was there another voice? Uh no, he definitely he definitely uh, stole the show for me. I'm amazed that um, the song. I was so worried when I read that he was going to sing. Like I know Jack Black's like tenacious D and everything. I, I'm not worried about that, but I'm so worried. Like, oh god, they're going to do a musical number in the Mario movie. Peaches yeah, is catchy. The- that was like the first thing that I thought when like when they announced like his voice, him as a voice actor, like literally the first thing was like, oh my god, they're gonna make him sing, and that yeah. could you know, is it gonna be? Is it gonna turn out great or is it gonna become a Donkey Kong Country CG TV series level of like? Fortunately, and there were rumors for a while that it was gonna be a full musical, but the fact that it's just like that minute and a half Peaches song, which they kind yeah. of play up as being ridiculous anyway, like that song's actually yeah, that's the thing. Good. Like it's it's really nice to seeing that the movie like really knows what it is and isn't taking it so seriously whatsoever. Well, I yeah, mean, okay. it's, uh, here's, here's where Kevin comes in. Well, nice alliteration there. Yeah. Good alliteration. Yeah. Like a Kardashian. Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to take yourself seriously when you have like one of the most bare boat plots of all time. <laughs> That's true. One of, the, one of the things that I that I really don't like seeing the, the straw man of of Oh, what, did you expect Citizen Kane for the Mario movie? <laughs> no, but I'm expecting something maybe like, I don't know, How to Train Your Dragon, the Lego movie. Like, the the story, only four things really happen in this movie, if you think about it, right? It's like Mario gets mm-hmm. transported, uh, a spoiler alert, I guess, for the Mario movie. You probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you've definitely seen this movie. You're one wow. of the three hundred seventy-seven million dollars, or you're thir- fifteen dollars of that. Yeah, everyone yeah. listening, that's probably uh, they yeah. get transported to the Mushroom Kingdom. Then they go to uh, Kong Island, Skull Island, whatever it's called in the movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's randomly the Jungle Kingdom, which I guess they're trying to do a parallel with the Mushroom Kingdom. But come on, it's Kong Island. It's always been Kong Island. Just call it Kong Island. Yeah. The, the temple the, the, that Cranky Kong's in is literally the, the Kong, Kong Island Kong in Mario Kart. It's just Kong Island. Uh, so then, they, then they go back oh, yeah, to the Mushroom Kingdom. And then, it, and then they're in Brooklyn and it ends. Which is quite, by the way, almost minus the Donk Kong part, the same exact sequence as the 1993 live-action Mario movie. Brooklyn, Mushroom Kingdom, climax back in Brooklyn. Yeah. But like yeah. what I did like was like there's there's very little in terms of like character development I guess and what what is there like Luigi becoming brave at the end sort of comes out of nowhere for me uh like I said it's just I kind of hate this like oh it's a it's a kids movie like come on let's let's expect a little something a little bit better yeah um wow you went full succession cadence there with that question statement <laughs> yeah, <the laughs> you sounded like, like shiv to a t just now <laughs> yeah i mean I, I guess by looking at looking at it that way 
I mean, I even thought this went way above and beyond, like, story-wise from what I expected. Because, you know, like, in Mario games, like, there's, like, literally no story, just Mario saves Peach. Sure. And in a way, I was kind of hoping, like, oh, just keep it simple, even if it is literally just that. Just, like, Mario saving Peach. Like, not even establishing that Mario came from Brooklyn or, like, any of those other stuff. Or that like, he has no a family. Thing of Luigi getting kidnapped, no thing about Bowser still wanting to marry Peach. Like, I thought they were just, you know, just keep it as bearable as possible. So, if anything, I thought they added more than I expected, you know, like, making... Like, I guess the Kong, someone they actually form an alliance with, this sort of weird, like, quick rivalry with Donkey Kong that I thought was actually kind of great. But, yeah. Um, but I could definitely see that, yeah. the, I mean, that's kind of the stuff that was kind of put on the chopping block when you have the breakneck speed of this pacing. Like, and characters barely got any development. But <laughs> the very little development we did get... Also, like, blew Obis in my mind because we were like, oh my god, like, maybe in the sequel or something. We were, this is before we saw the movie. Like, we were wondering, like, how are they gonna incorporate, you know, Baby Mario, Baby Luigi, like, outside of, like, a. Oh, yeah. That was great. Oh, like, that was that. a swerve I didn't see yeah. coming either. And yeah, that's so cool. And so, it was the video game model specifically. Yeah, too. like, I, I thought for sure, like, if they're gonna redesign any of them, they're probably gonna redesign the babies. But the fact they kept those, like. Except Peach, she's different. Yeah. Eh, she's kind of the same. They change her hair. She's, she's, she's just a little. The same. Yeah. She's just older than what we yeah. usually see her in. But she's toddler, like, toddler Peach. Yeah. Otherwise, oh, I was like, yeah. Spe- speaking good. of Peach, Peach was the only redesign that I really didn't like. Something about her face just did not look good to me. I they think they really pronounced. The eyes, they, they, they really pronounced her upper lip. <laughs> I don't know what that area is called, but like it's. Oddly more detailed than other characters, like the area between the upper lip and the nose. Yeah, there was a uh, something about the face was just off to me every single time that they ke- they kept cutting back to it. Yeah, I get what uh, you mean. Like Mario, very quickly, I was like, oh yeah, that's Mario. But like Peach, it still was like, oh, this is the movie Peach. Yeah, I I got a little of that. Also, we didn't mention okay. it with voice acting, but since you said Donkey Kong a second ago, um, they got Seth Rogen to do the Seth Rogen laugh as Donkey Kong, as all the memes predicted. So that was a moment. I'm not even saying it's a good or bad moment. It's just a moment. I enjoyed it, but oh yeah, I, I thought he was great as DK. But other question: This one turned because you know we do see Mario's family. We see yeah. which you know great casting for Charles Martinet, by the way, as well. That's the one of two oh, appearances yeah, he the has Jumpman in the movie. Dude. Yeah, but you know they're all living in like how? I guess for some reason, not until Mario went to his room to sadly play Kid Icarus that I wonder like, wait, how old is he? Yeah, oh, he's like his age was, yeah. his age was a, a huge question mark for me. Like, so how old is he supposed to be? His I'm room like, I guess looks like a be. teenager's. Like, does he look like a teenager? Like, no, his room. Thought, I, his not him. Not oh Mario, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the poster. The, okay, the the stuff in his room was awesome for like Easter egg hunts, like F Zero, R Wing on the TV. Like it was all you know from Star Fox. Like it was all super cool. But like his room looked like like. You know, son, you have to go finish your homework. Okay, mom. And then he storms up to his room and plays NES instead. But he's like a fully grown man. So I don't quite know. Yeah, which, you know, like, it's probably not even too, I mean, yeah, my room, I guess, has posters. No, but his, like, the extent to which it looked like a high school. You know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. All the way in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I would say his portrayal and I guess how he looks. I don't know. I, I always kind of placed him like in the late 20s, early 30s. He's considered in his like... mid 30s, I thought. 
Is that what it's supposed to be? I, I thought, honestly don't know. The only thing I can think of is that's a very subtle commentary because, you know, they didn't have much plot. It was moving so fast. They time, but it's a very subtle commentary on the modern economy and how our generation lives at home more than past generations. That must be it, right? That has to be it. <laughs> I don't know. Damn. But, yeah, Damn. it's a yeah, it's it's them telling all the Nintendo fans, we see that you're stuck at home. And we understand Mario is too. He's just like you. Man. Yeah, no, I have no idea why he's that age or why he's set up like that. But I do like his extended family. Like, I thought it was cool how they, they all kind of did look like Mario, but had their own little, like, quirks. Like, his dad had the, the one that just basically looked like Luigi's twin, just older. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that guy. Yeah. But, yeah. We'd like to know all the names they gave them. But I'm sure they're going to do a pun of, like, the mom is Mama Mia, even though that's redundant, because I think Mama Mia just means oh, mom. But um, I'm the sure amount of times that Mama Mia was said in this movie was a little too much for a me. Lot. I saw um, a quote from a review where it was like, they say Mamma Mia more in this movie than in the movie Mamma Mia or something <laughs> like that. It, but but um, yeah, I, 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 it's interesting because that was the one catchphrase of his that they really used over and over. Everything else was like one and done, like the It's a Me line, the Wahoo. Like they were all once. Yeah. And the, oh, wow. It was literally right here and then the train got derailed. How unfortunate. Oh, yeah, I literally had a thought, and I was about to say it. It's funny how that happened. Well, while you think of it, I, I have something we could talk about that's kind of related. Um, you mentioned the discourse around the story, Kevin. What's your thoughts, both of you, on the discourse around the use of licensed music in the game? Oh, I hated, known I hated as it. hated needle drops. I, I hated it. Oh, that was earlier when I said, like, there's one thing I would change. <laughs> that's literally That's it. it. Yeah. Have I, you guys yeah, checked I out hated the... it. I hated, like, it would have been so cool to get something else except... God, what what song was it when uh, they arrived at uh, Skull Island? Kong Island. I mean, Jungle Kingdom. I mean, I'm going to keep calling it Skull Island. And I keep calling it Kong Island, and neither of us are correct. (laughs) But yeah, I thought that was so whack. It didn't make sense. You know what sucks? So have you guys gone and looked? It makes absolutely no sense. I know. I don't understand why they did, but have you looked at the soundtrack? Track listing I listened to it on the way back from work today. Okay, there you go. So then you maybe know, Angel. They composed as if those needle drops weren't going to happen. There is a uh, a, a different DK-themed track that could have played in that exact moment that they swapped out for Take On Me. And that track is a mashup of Donkey Kong Country and of all games, DK King of Swing from the Game Boy Advance. And it's just like, why didn't they use that? <laughs> like, what did they gain by using Take On Me? I think stuff yeah. like Thunderstruck by ACDC was like, okay, kind of. That was I need a okay, I need a hero yeah. or whatever. It's like every – I think that's a rite of passage for video game movies. I mean Detective Pikachu did it. Mario did it. Um, the Tetris movie does it in two different languages. So um, it's apparently just a staple of video game movies. But like the other stuff, like, yeah, I don't know why they played Take On Me when they had this awesome three-and-a-half-minute Donkey Kong track that this composer of the movie, Brian Taylor, did. Um, I saw somewhere he had – he's claimed his soundtrack – which in and of itself is almost 90 straight minutes if you listen to the download or buy the physical from I'm 8-Bit. Um, it references 130 different games and intermixes them, which is awesome. And it sucks that we don't get to experience the full extent of that because they overlaid it with licensed stuff for no clear reason. Yep. Yeah. They don't yeah. like it. The, yeah. That being said, though, while I would say it was the one thing I would change, um, mm-hmm. It was literally on, 
I guess on the other ground that we just mentioned or that you just mentioned that they could have used anything else from the actual games, which as you know, from the soundtrack, like they did have that, but for some reason didn't. But that being said, as a huge fan of oldies, I still liked all the music choices and I really enjoyed, still very much enjoyed their presence and hearing them there. But it was more of like a, they, you know, they could have done more, not because specifically right. take on me or any of those because i you know i do like all those songs like think of how but, awesome like I, maybe a little um, too much think of how awesome that orchestral arrangement of the star power up that we got right at the end oh it was so good um, like that's one of my biggest music, smile the moments music, aside from the license stuff the music is incredible in this movie it's outstanding oh, it's yeah. that guy brian taylor like i keep saying his name because i want to give him full credit because he did that like koji kondo obviously wrote the underlying tunes but he sat there and mixed all those songs from all those games together and made them cinematic and theatrical yeah, a little and really flourishes, good. A little flourishes are great. Like, even when you only hear, like, when there's a, the Rainbow Road track. Actually, it's not even called the Rainbow Road track, but when you hear the beginning of Rainbow Road, you know, you just hear, like, five notes from, like, the Super Nintendo one, and then it just kind of goes off into its other thing. But, you know, little stuff like that. And then the DK area just had a lot of, I guess, musical cameos that were just great i was really oh, pleasantly surprised with with kong island aka skull island aka jungle kingdom more like that was one of the biggest surprises for me in the movie it's just i didn't expect them to go that deep with the donkey kong stuff maybe i should have because they're building out the donkey kong expansion at nintendo world and obviously there's some synergy there but like i didn't think they'd end up in his treehouse that looks straight out of donkey kong country like i didn't think they'd go to the temple from the mario kart track and that's where cranky kong's at like and the music really Mark Kart 8 plays when they're like making yeah. the yep. arts. That was yep. awesome. Yep. awesome. Yeah, it's it's like it was just so it was so well done. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this movie does and this yeah, is a, this criminal Kevin, this movie does so many things so well that's a little disappointing that it's the stories where it, it falls right. falls right. a little short. Yeah, it and, and I think one of the things we haven't touched on, if if I can launch into my dissertation, I do want to talk about the layers of references. Because yeah, I kind of touched on some it. cool stuff, you know, like, oh, Kong Island was really cool. But, like, I think what's interesting here um, – sorry, I'm, like, kind of skimming over my notes as I'm saying this. But I think what's interesting here and kind of what a lot of, like, film critics did latch onto as a critique of the movie – is in fact how much of it leans on the source material. And we're talking about like it's a positive, right? Like we're like, oh, it's so great. Like it's a love letter to us. But I think like a lot, like I saw multiple reviews where I was, there was a review. I don't know if it was Variety or someone, but they're basically like trying to explain who Mario is in the review, which to me is like no one reviews Looney Tunes. Is like, so there's this crazy rabbit and he's constantly act, asking for his doctor. Like that's not a thing. People know who Bugs Bunny is, and then they work within that. So the fact that the, a lot of the critiques are like, oh, well, there's all these things referencing this character you may not know. It's like, no, 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 no. This guy is one of the most iconic people in the like, characters in the world. They know who Mario is. And what I thought was kind of cool is how they played with the fact that people know who Mario is at varying depths, like in the movie. Like there's there's almost levels to how it pays homage to Mario, no pun intended. And um, I think I think this is where we're really good again to some negro explorers if we haven't yet because i'm gonna start like rattling off example excuse me examples so obviously we already said you know you've probably seen the movie but just to be extra crystal clear if you haven't seen the movie skip ahead so um i guess like to me there's like three levels to the references and i think that's what's really cool so on the surface level is kind of the easter egg stuff right like i think where 
this is probably most prominent, actually, in my opinion, was the Brooklyn segments, you know, outside the Mushroom Kingdom beginning end of the movie, where Mario's in a world that's both comprised of Nintendo IPs, like we were talking about his room, and it's full of stuff. Um, but also that means Nintendo exists in that world in some capacity, which is kind of an interesting, like, what is Mario then? But, um, you know, like, Mario has his own NES. We talked about the posters on his well, wall. Well, it's clearly he, jump, man. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's the difference. Yeah, because it is. It's just never right. switched out of You're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we talked about the poster, Jumpman is in the P- Punch-Out Pizzeria. Um, there's the R-Wing on top of the TV. I think I mentioned that already. Luigi's Ringtones, the GameCube boot-up jingle. Um, there's storefronts and billboards, like in Brooklyn, with like the playing card logo from Nintendo. Like the old N logo Nintendo used on their playing cards in like the 1950s. Like that was cool to see. There's a car wash with the balloon fight guy on it. That was kind of cool. Like those are the most obvious examples to me of, hey, Nintendo fans, look at us recognizing you and giving you a big wink and a nod. And um, that was super fun to spot as a fan, I think. Like I really enjoyed that. Um, and there's a bunch, obviously, we haven't even mentioned between the three of us. Like this movie, it's going to require a few viewings to catch them all, I think. Um, but I think in a weird way how front-loaded the Brooklyn sequences were with those references I don't know if you guys felt this way, but it almost kind of took me out of what was going on with the bare bones main story that was happening. Like I was getting almost too distracted, noting in my head that like, oh, hey, the construction site is level one one or, you know, Mario's dad is Charles Martinet or like things like that because it's just so boom, 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 reference, reference, reference. Like even when they go to the plumbing job at that like super modern house, um, all the way, I don't know if you guys spot it, all the way to the far edge of the shot in the living room, like at the very edge of the screen is a glass vase shaped like a Pikmin. And I was focused on that and not what was happening on the other 90% of the screen because I was like, look, I was like playing Where's Waldo, which again, love doing as a fan. It was super fun. But I think um, that was, you know, that's kind of the base level, like the bare bones going to Mario movie. What I wanted to do was have. Well, maybe that's why the story is so bare bones. <laughs> so they maybe. Know but, really but I think they go attention. deeper in that. But no, but like honestly, I remember like, Kevin, was it two episodes ago? You were saying to me something like, well, if the movie sucks. And I basically said, as long as they have these sorts of Easter eggs, I'll be pretty happy. Um, so they checked that box. Um, and I think this sort of reference hunting that was right at the start of the movie that kind of checked that box is almost like a good contrast with other ways that the movie, to me, utilized the source material in a deeper way. Because, Angel, you were touching on, you know, it just felt the most akin to the games. I think there's a couple reasons why. Like, once Mario's in the Mushroom Kingdom, I was really impressed with how the filmmakers essentially remixed so many eras of Mario for their world building. Like, in my mind... This is almost like the second level of depth of the references. Like there's the obvious Easter eggs, the winks and the nods. And then they sort of con- – and, and to be fair, they did continue some of that spot the thing vibe. You know, like he's walking through town and there's the antique shop with 8-bit games or, or like 8-bit items. And there's like the crazy cap store where he first arrived – you know, where uh, Toad and him are walking past when they first arrive. And obviously you can do it with the enemies. Like, oh, there's the the little bug guys from 3D land. And there's Sniffits who we don't see outside of like Mario RPGs these days. And they're, you know, all in the same scenes and stuff. But I'm more referring to, like, the actual world itself, like, how it's structured and, like, the mechanics of it all. Like, obviously, there's a bunch of warp pipes everywhere. Um, I thought one clever addition was they have little crosswalk-style stop-and-go lights on the warp pipes so people don't bonk into each other. Um, But, you know, we see the classic ones. We see the transparent ones from 3D World. Uh, We see Mario go through a sequence of, like, figuring out which pipe goes where and then gets confused just like you can in the game. Uh, We see, you know, when Peach has not go through the training course, she essentially played Mario Maker. Like, she built her own Mario level, complete with, like, all the same sort of blocks and platforms that we toy with in Mario Maker. Yeah, that, uh, that level was not designed by Miyamoto. 
Cause no, definitely not. <laughs> that's something that we would make in Mario Maker. Yeah, exactly. Like, it feels like Mario Maker. And, like, the way it kind of, like, unfolds and opens up, I'm like, oh, that's like you just, like, opened the menu and, like, made some stuff in Mario Maker. Um, but even when it shifts to Kong Island, like, which I'm still going to call Kong Island. <laughs> I, okay, just call Island, Kong Island. Just, like— It's Kong um, Island. It's, Kong Island. It's, it's Kong it Island. But, um, God, this is, is— Is it not called Kong Island in the Donkey Kong games? Have I been saying it because of King Kong this whole time? Someone calls um, it Kong Island in the games, right? Uh, maybe. Well, listen the 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 island full of the Kongs. <laughs> um, I, always, I mean, I always thought it was it's called like Donkey Kong Country or Kong Country. I could have sworn it was Kong Island or something. I swear. Kong Island. It was probably Kong Island on the CG TV show. Maybe this is probably why back in the the irony, by the way, back in the A's, I don't know if you guys remember, Universal sued Nintendo because they thought Donkey Kong and King Kong were too similar and people would get confused like we are right now. They lost the case. But now look at them. 30 years later, they're working together on a theme park and a movie. Who would have thought? But anyway. Um, yeah. So when the what Star says like so that's another world building like the Mushroom Kingdom. But I feel like when they get to like Jungle Kingdom is where it really sort of kicks up a notch because, you know, in Donkey Kong Country games like there's always been this mechanical element to these otherwise tropical places for the Kongs. Like, you know, in the games, it was uh, mine carts and Funky Kong being a mechanic and he can fix like a space, uh, a space, a seaplane and things like that. But here in the movie, they just kind of naturally expanded that. Like, that's the backstory for why there are carts in the Mushroom Kingdom. They all came from the Kongs. And then within those carts, you get another logical tie-in from other games where like the rocket-powered barrels that they fly in DK Barrel Blast or, you know, that they kind of shoot Donkey Kong in in Tropical Freeze. Like, those are the engines that are used in the carts. Like, it all kind of makes sense. Like, it feels like really good world-building that's referential but kind of has its own self-contained logic. Plus, there's, you know, all these kind of motions to ideas that are being a bigger world beyond just what we see in the movie. You know, Peach is talking about galaxies, and there's that super nihilistic Luma that's captured by Bowser. Um, Obviously, both of those are pointing to Mario Galaxy-type antics in the future in some way. Um, by the way, that Luma... This is the biggest hit of this movie. There's no Rose Lita. Yeah, the Luma was the closest we got. Um, did anyone else find that Luma kind of dark in humor for what was kind of a kid-friendly movie? I loved it. Like, it I don't a, mind it, but he was, was like, dark. It was a direction I didn't <laughs> expect them to go in. Yeah, I didn't think Nintendo sure. would sign off on that. That was kind of surprising, but, but you know. I, don't know. I mean, well, it works pretty really well. There's a few things that I was surprised that Nintendo signed off, like... That initial – did you watch the initial teaser trailer, Angel? Uh, the the one where mm. – which was essentially the beginning scene of this movie where it's Bowser heading to Ice Kingdom or whatever. Oh, oh he yeah. like terrorizes the penguins? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's the only thing I saw. Well, no. I, I guess – didn't they show – or is that the same trailer where Mario first appears in the Mushroom Kingdom? Yes, and... yes. Yeah, yeah. But oh. it's like two, it's like two okay. scenes. The whole trailer is just Bowser attacking and then Mario showing oh, okay, up. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So in the – so – they didn't show it in that initial teaser trailer, but Bowser says, or "I forget." Yeah, something or die. Oh, yeah, he says, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. He says, yeah. "Open the or, gate." Yeah, I was not uh, was not expecting that. I feel like that's somewhat the Illumination influence. Like, I think Nintendo was the one holding back some of the plot, like they wanted to keep, which I'll get to in a sec. But I think Illumination was the one, like, no, you need to have like the needle drops. You need to have like these kind of like uh, uh, someone like Luma. You know, yeah, that the, sort the of needle thing. drops were absolutely one hundred percent. Um, I will say it's really funny to me that Luma was debuted as a character not through any official marketing material but through the McDonald's Happy Meal toys back in December. The character's name is actually Luma Lee, 
But the first time it was confirmed this character exists was in Happy Meal Toys. And it turns out the character is like, yes, bring death upon me. And it's like, wow, okay, that's what McDonald's premiered? Sure, all right. Um, but anyway, the well, I was getting out with, like, talking about, you know, the Kongs and their technology and the Mushroom Kingdom and its pipe systems and the hints of galaxy is I think whether you're, like, well-versed in Mario or just kind of have a passing understanding, it does tie together well, I feel like. Like, the world ties together well. And maybe some of it feels like they're doing it just so they can make the reference. Um, I think at one point when they're going to Jungle Kingdom, Kong Island, Skull Island, whatever, um, that, you know, they're passing through, like, Bawamp Battlefield from Mario 64 and the Sand Kingdom from Mario Odyssey and I think what looks to be Yoshi's Island. And those are all super awesome nods, but those definitely felt like they were just there to be there. Like, they didn't add anything. They are just kind of cool. Like, hey, check that out. And even yeah, the cart... Right. And there's nothing yeah, the whole the whole cart section. I mean, the fact they went on Rainbow Road, like they could have, you know, driven it. On, they could have driven over the desert. And ne- never stuff, mind but... that. Let's step back even further. We're talking about the Mario Kart Eight music. Do you remember why they were playing Mario Kart Eight music? Because they went into a Mario Kart Eight menu screen, complete with an A button, and made their carts just like you do in the game. And like that got a huge smile out of me. I, I the menus were like grafted over, but it did feel a little forced. Like it was a little like on the nose, you know. I uh. For us, I, I liked it. a I lot. I, you, a lot of people. Will. I liked a lot. I liked this movie. The only part that I genuinely loved loved was that Mario Kart Rainbow Road section. Oh, that Rainbow! I, I think Rainbow Road worked. Loved um, Danfield contrived. I feel like them building the carts was a little like. Mm. But I, I still absolutely loved the reference. But even when they're like zooming in on them pressing the A button to confirm, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> but for you know, for each of those kind of perhaps contrived moments, there are so many great little touches that I feel like weren't like. Um, I thought like the Mario versus Donkey Kong battle, like Angel, you were talking about kind of their their dynamic. I thought it was really cool. They how the actual for this fight. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. They basically blended their old rivalry with Smash Bros because they're fighting on a red girder. But then they're doing moves and stuff like they're in Smash Bros. And I just thought that's a really cool kind of like combination that makes sense in the world and feels organic. But it's still a reference. It's not just like a wink and a nod. It actually like made sense. Or like the Rainbow Road scene we were just talking about. Um, The way they worked in the Mario Kart 64 like track drop shortcut with Mario yep. falling from one to the other. I thought Love that it. like it was so organic and well done. But it was still a reference. Like I just thought that was really cool compared to the like spot the Easter egg stuff that was like layer one of the referencing. Um, and I think one of the, one of the complaints I saw in the reviews is that, um, all this was presented with no context. Like you just kind of have to go with it, which I was kind of touching on at the start of my little dissertation here. But I mean, like what movie where you go to some foreign alien or fantasy world, like explains every in and out of the world systems and how they work. Like I saw a tweet, I don't remember where the interview was, but it was with Illumination and it was like an excerpt from the interview. And they were saying that internally at Illumination, they did think through, well, all these blocks are floating because the toads, they must have an economy where they mine for a material called flotanium. And the flotanium has the blocks float. I don't want them to ever say that in the movie. <laughs> like there is no reason for them to ever – like that's just like – we like I, there's a level where exposition can be good and there's a level where exposition can be bad. And I think plot beats aside, they steered away from – being too like over explaining with stuff and i think part of what the movie does so well is it does a great job of mirroring basically what it's like to play the game like not just building the world not just doing the low easter eggs but like the vibe and the feeling of and the themes of like the mario game like you're entering this crazy weird kind of trippy world a world that's only not trippy to us because we've been exposed to it for over 30 years. But you're just going in and going on an adventure through it and everything that you see is kind of weird and new and wacky and it's simple as that. 
Um, and I think that brings me to like the final deepest level um, of the references, so to speak. It's probably the most subtle in a way, but um, that the I really like how the was mo- hilarious. What? That the deep voice toad was hilarious. Okay, I have a bone to pick with that. That deep voice toad should have been Toadsworth. I don't remember which one. The the that toad was. with glasses that was like the planner. The strategist. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That should have been, been Toadsworth. It it looked kind of like they were trying to do Toadbert or whatever his name is from the Mar- Paper Mario games. Um, or Mario RPG or Mario and Luigi, one of them. Because they are blue and they have glasses. But that should have been Toadsworth. And it is a shame that for all these references they get right, they left Toadsworth out of the equation. Toadsworth isn't a, really a strategist, though. He just... He's her right-hand man. Person. No, he he's definitely like the right-hand man. He would have been... He's sitting there like, unraveling the same map that little like guy grandfather. I will say, I thought it was think, like an Alfred. I think it's partly um, whether or not whatever Toadsworth role is. I do think Nintendo has very much tried to standardize how Toads look. Like if you look, think about the Toads from like the early Mario RPGs versus now, like they've scaled back the personality. It seems like the Kongs are where you get your custom-looking characters, and all the Toads have to look kind of the same. So maybe that's why. Yeah, Toadsworth major props gone, actually but, for. I mean. For the most part, they didn't go too heavy with the redesigns. For the most part, outside of the things that we mentioned, like are pretty, yeah. pretty on model. Which you know, I have mentioned is very novel at this point because anytime it goes to like the big screen, like people have or studios have a, I guess, a need to make things more realistic when they don't have to, especially for stuff like this. Yeah, like yeah, and you know, like for the most part, they did a good job. Other things have questionable changes like for bowser for instance like why did they remove like the ring around the spikes on his back like now it's like a weird transition from like green to beige to the spike and it just ends up looking kind of weird but i digress um i mean but i digress overall though like major props with them for like yeah like actually sticking with the models and like staying true to the characters and not even like minifying the toads or any lackeys, like it didn't feel like, yeah, it, it, you could, you would, I mean, I guess it's a compliment, but maybe not as well, but it almost feels like it wasn't done by illumination. But yeah, no, it did, it did, it did feel scaled back. And there's even things like to the point, like some reference, or even give a, it felt like classic illumination because I mean, I did right, enjoy the first right. Despicables Me, like before it just felt like they were just churning out movies for profit more than for inspiration. And and I I do think we also um, <laughs> to counter my own point about Toad, we may just give him a little credit because I could see them going somewhere with some of these. Like Toad in this movie has Captain Toad's backpack, makes a campfire for the guards like Captain Toad does at the end of a level with Toadette. Like he is Captain Toad in everything but name. I could absolutely see him in a future movie being promoted I mean, to this Captain. Game when they first exactly, they did the little theme. He's gonna in a future movie get promoted to Captain Toad, no doubt. And I suspect when he does, that frying pan is gonna be handed off to Peach as a thank you gift. And that's how she gets her frying pan as her final smash. Whoa. In Smash Bros. Watch. But anyway, no, um Lord the thing I was gonna discovered. say is should what? make a, yeah. a theory channel, Jason. I should God. Okay guys, in this episode of Jason's Wacky Mario Theories, with a frying pan in Toad's hand. How's it end up in Peaches? Let me tell you for eighty-five minutes. But um no, I was gonna say I you know, I mentioned the on the nose right like the Easter egg references I mentioned, the kind of deeper world building. There is one final deepest 
maybe most subtle layer of the movie that I think references the game the best. And I was kind of saying, you know, you go on the journey like you do as a player. But I think in plot and structure, like what makes this movie really succeed in my mind is that it captures the spirit of the Mario games in so many multiple ways um, so well. Like two, I think, center around Mario himself, like the characterization and development of him. Because, yes, the plot is bare bones. But they do kind of draw some parallels. Like, you know, first up is this idea throughout the story that Mario is kind of small and weak and pathetic. Like Spike the Foreman says it to him, which, by the way, great Wrecking Crew callback. That was kind of random. But, you know, Spike the Foreman says it. Various characters reference his height. At one point, Peach basically describes him to the Toads as something like he doesn't matter. I don't remember the exact wording. But, like, they all play with this idea and they keep reiterating it. This idea of him being small, like figuratively and physically. Um, but it is kind of true in the Mario games, right? Like whenever you start, he's a small dude. He has limited abilities, and when he powers up, he becomes the fact they incorporated you know, Super that, Mario. I, that was I was like super shocked about. Like, wow, he yeah. actually gets bigger. I didn't. Even oh yeah, like good. literally, they do it too. Yeah, but like yeah. literally, and, and like plot wise, like oh, that's yeah, yeah, his that, character yeah. arc is literally he's a small like guy that doesn't stand a chance to becoming this super guy that does when he powers up and i thought that it was on the nose maybe but i thought it like tied back to the games and how they're structured and how the player progresses kind of well like i i thought that i did not expect them to do something like that and hand in hand with that um this idea that mario never gives up you know they keep saying like look at how deep layered this story actually no i know no it's not deep it's i mean it's all kind of superficial but the ways it ties back i think are kind of cool because this idea never gives up um that's just what the that's the environment of how as players, you know, no one quits exactly. the first time they lose a level, right? They they obviously show this in the most direct way with Peach's training course montage, but like throughout the movie, Mario has this like moxie to him that he'll try to conquer anything no matter what. Like in the games, you keep playing no matter how many times you lose. You press start to continue no matter how many games, you know, game overs you get. Um, there's a drive there that Mario has because that's the drive the player has. So the fact that they kind of like did that parallel and that's kind of like it's very surface level for mario as a character in a movie but the way it parallels like how you play the game you just keep going until you win and you just keep pushing i thought that was kind of cool and i think that's really the core aspect of surface level but yeah yeah and i think i think exactly and i think that parallel between like the game and the movie is really like a core aspect of the movie is like mario exists as a character in the games as you know he's in service of the player right like he's our representation so when you try and translate that experience of the player having control over this little pixelated guy to a movie where now the character has to have his own agency, you see it in him having this motivation that he just has to keep pushing no matter what. And you see it in him overcoming other characters' perceptions of him. And arguably you see it in how the movie, while it is a Mario movie, let's be honest, it kind of almost centers around who he interacts with more than the man himself, right? Like, yes, we get that tiny bit of character development I just mentioned – but Mario's not steering the ship here, like, at any point. Yeah, like, Toad we tells him we're going... Yeah. What? What was that? Oh, yeah, because I thought we need to know from him. Yeah, exactly. But, like, yeah. if you think about, like, how the movie, how the story progresses and partly why it feels so boom, 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 is, like, Toad tells him we're going on adventure. He immediately does it. Peach tells him to do all sorts of things. He immediately does it. Cranky Kong challenges him to basically what amounts to a mid-world boss fight with Donkey Kong. Mario does it. Like, really, Mario's only core motivation is to just keep moving forward to reach the final goal, rescue Luigi, because that's the end game, and when you play a Mario game, your goal is to win by getting to the end game, and it's typically Peach Rust, but it's the exact same thing, right? So to me, and this is my final thought on this, um, that made it really cool and how it parallels Mario games and the spirit of Mario, but I think it's also a double-edged sword. 
um, in that it makes it a bit thin as kind of a movie, which we've already talked about. Like the plot's a little loose. It moves very fast. Like I had a ton of fun with it. I love the entire experiences. I will happily watch it repeatedly. I mean, Angel, you and I are seeing it in 4DX in like 48 hours. Uh, like it's going to be – I will recommend it to anyone with any interest. It's great, 100%. But at the same time, like we were saying, like it does jump between set pieces rather quickly and – the plot is rather to the point and arguably very straightforward for a movie. Uh, I mean, even, you know, as mentioning Toad says we're going on Adventure Mars, like, sure. Like, Toad went from who are you to I'm your best friend now in 30 seconds. Like, that's even by movie standards, extremely fast. Even by kids' movie standards, it's extremely fast. But as an adaptation of, like, the experience and spirit of the games to another medium, it does feel like Mario. It's just one you're not actively hitting buttons to progress through. And I think... I think that's what Nintendo and Illumination were to a large extent trying to achieve, and I think they nailed it in that regard. So I'm very happy with it, and that's my little dissertation, and thank you for listening to my TED Talk. I don't know if you could hear that clap, but... I cannot. (laughs) But yeah, I I guess uh... it's so cool how they layer it. That's that's all I'm getting at. It's like, it's not just Easter eggs. They go deep. There you have it. Definitive proof that this movie is great. Um, any other final thoughts before we move on to the next thing? Um, just uh, well, actually, we well, the next thing's kind of about it, right? I'm looking at the list here. So, what comes next, guys? Mario's a hit. Like Mario broke box office records. It's the biggest worldwide opening for an animated movie ever, surpassing Frozen two, three hundred seventy-seven million dollars. Second biggest opening of an animated movie in the U.S., only behind Incredibles, two hundred four million dollars. Biggest five-day opening ever, surpassing Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, of all things. Biggest Illumination movie opening ever. Biggest opening of 2023. It surpassed Sonic 1's entire box office in a weekend. It surpassed wow. Spider-Verse's entire box office. Or uh-huh. actually, uh, in a, almost, I take that back. By now it has. When the tallies came in worldwide, it wasn't there yet, but now it is. Uh, and it's very quickly coming up on Sonic 2's $405 million. Like, Peaches is the number I checked right before we record. The number four most downloaded song on iTunes right now in the country is Peaches. Wow. It's the number two trending song on YouTube music. Go it has Oscar, six million huh? v- views between two videos. It is eligible for Oscar nominations. That's where we're at now. So what happens next? Because Nintendo clearly has a cash cow here. Do you guys see where do you guys see this going? Where you want it? Where do you want it to go? Do you Ooh, want a bigger uh, universe? Do you want just a sequel? Like we haven't even talked about the the stinger in the post credit. Like what happens now? There's post credits. You guys didn't stay two. for the po- yeah. There are two. No. So the mid credit super spoilers. Um, do you want to know them, Kevin? Sure. Okay. Mid credit was just Bowser doing the song again, but he gets interrupted halfway, and you realize he's still Minnie from the uh, mushroom, and he's in like a birdcage essentially and he's like do you know who i am on bowser and then they interrupt him before he could say his name and then the end credit is essentially almost exactly like a shot for shot recreation of the ending of godzilla 98 which is really random but basically there's an egg left behind in the sewers where um mario and luigi went into the mushroom kingdom and the egg cracks and then you just hear yoshi and it cuts to black oh I there's a Yoshi in Brooklyn, just like there's a Godzilla in Brooklyn. Or in, I looked in at I looked at the plot on Wikipedia to see if there's a post credit seed, and none of the, neither of those two are on there. So I was that's like, funny. Wow. But yeah, right. the so I mean, I guess first question before we even get to like, what does this mean for town? 
Why do you guys want to have a sequel? Because obviously Yoshi's in Brooklyn now. What happens there? Man, honestly, I don't... Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's so many ways they could take this. But I feel like I would love to see um, either, like, the introduction of Bowser Jr. Like, he's already... Like, mm. basically, he already had a son. They don't have to explain, like, where he came from. He's like, oh, like, oh he was just in boarding school or something. Well, as we know, but, they don't explain anything in the movies. Yeah, so. exactly. So <laughs> I would either like Bowser Jr. to, like, basically... Like, the movie starts with, like, him... You know, basically breaking Bowser out, just like rescuing him, and then you know they have the rev- the revenge plot or whatever. Or they could take it another way. They could have Bowser Jr. slowly getting revenge on Mario and Luigi because you know he hates them because of what they did to his dad. Maybe doing Shadow Mario stuff or whatever. But basically, I want to see Bowser Jr. Or if they don't go that route, get the Koopalings involved in some way because I also can see them, you know, breaking bells. Where do you stand on Wario or Waluigi? Um, Jack Black wants Pedro Pascal to play Wario. I mean, it'd be cool. I was really hoping they would be in the Stinger. If anything, the Stinger was kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was my exact thought. Okay, yeah, so we walked out of theater, and, like, I was talking to Rachel about it. I'm like, you know, the one thing that kind of bothering me besides the needle drops is we saw Yoshi in the middle of the movie. We know he exists. Like that felt kind of yeah, like, Oh, there like. he is again. And, and, and it's like, no, but he's in our world, not their world. I'm like, yeah, but it's Yoshi. Like we know he's <laughs> the pipe. Give us a character that world. wasn't there yet. Like give us Rosalina. I don't know. Give us something. It felt kind of like, Oh, yeah, and, I mean, and, I get it was pipe... a nod to Godzilla 98, which again is incredibly random. But, but besides that, like, it's appreciated. Oh, but then they caught it right away. Right yeah. Got the 98. Yeah, like I, I had a feeling like as soon as they did the uh, zoom in on the egg, I was like, oh, it's going to crack. It's going to be Godzilla all over again. But like, yeah, that was just sort of random. But um, let's say sequel aside, like so Nintendo now has a cash cow. Some analysts I was reading today said that Nintendo's probably going to make over a billion dollars profit off this movie alone, excluding marketing, excluding Illumination's cut, excluding Universal's cut. Nintendo themselves are going to make a billion bucks off this thing with all said and done. Um, so clearly – that is an opportunity for Nintendo to probably start doing other stuff. Um, if it, 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 my, my hunch is we're not going to see it for a long time. Uh, you know, we were talking at the top about how they were shopping around or Mario was like in development forever. And before that, Sony was vying for it. And, and I feel like this was very much a litmus test for them. Does Mario work? You know, can we do movies? I think they're kind of waiting to see how this went. The fact that blue expectations, like, like went way beyond X. I mean, it was projected to make a hundred million, maybe in opening weekend in the U.S. It made two hundred four million, like it doubled. So obviously they're probably now like, oh, there's something here. But to start that ball rolling, to find the right studios to do each type of franchise or IP, like I don't think it's gonna happen overnight. But if it were me, I feel like besides doing Mario sequels, Illumination might be a good fit for Splatoon if Nintendo wanted to ramp that up. Kind of a similar vibe. I don't think yeah, Illumination could do anything else, but maybe it's kind Kirby. Of funny, but... Like I remember um, telling Elvis after, it's like, oh man, they have so many properties they could do. Like I don't know, I wouldn't mind if they even go more into, you know, make like a more focused Donkey Kong movie because I would love to see more of Diddy Kong and Dixie. Yeah, and yeah, the Diddy Kong, the Diddy Kong shot. All the Kong, not all, but like six of the Kongs were in the movie in various ways. It's cool. Yeah, and I love that they all like really love DK and especially like Diddy being like his biggest fan. It's like, oh, it's just like how he's supposed to be. But the, the um the cut to Diddy where he's sitting next to Dixie and uh was it Tiny Kong I think right on the other side chunky. of him or was it Chunky? It was Chunky. Okay, yeah. But um, it was Baby Kong. 
whichever oh, con. When they did that cut to the to the uh, three of them, that was one of those few times I had in my head I was like doing the Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing at the screen meme. I don't know. Like there's so many references, but that one for some reason really just like got me. I was like, oh my god, it's like all the Kongs. But yeah. Yep, yep. But yeah, explaining well, that would be cool. Yeah, but then uh, we were also thinking like, well, maybe it doesn't even have to be a sequel to the Marvel movie. Like maybe they could expand to the properties and I don't know. I if the, the sky does feel kind of like the limit, but yeah, this just makes me wonder. Like, does this mean that we're that much closer to a Zelda animated film? Because I feel like who maybe they... just action, action and story wise, I feel like that's the one I'd probably want to see the most, and then maybe like a Metroid movie. I feel like around. Zelda. They definitely need to get a different studio to do it. This is not Illumination's wheelhouse. I don't know who it would be. Maybe an anime studio, actually. That might be more of the style of Zelda, but I don't think Illumination can do Zelda. You know? Hmm. Well, give it a DreamWorks or give it a Sony. Or something. Yeah, because actually Sony might be able to do it, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, because, like, there's a thing today going around of, like, oh, imagine if this was reality and it was, like, the Nintendo Cinematic Universe and it was Nintendo and Illumination present the Mario movie. The Donkey Kong movie, the Star Fox movie, the Metroid movie, the Kirby movie, the Smash Bros movie, and then another I'm forgetting. And I was like, I, I don't know. I forgot about the... Kirby. One of the yeah, I, like Kirby, Kirby could fit. But yeah, I don't know if they all make sense with Illumination. I think Nintendo's in a unique position where they can shop. Or, like, how cool would it be if they find the right company to do like they could do don't Star they have their Fox? Own and... animation studio. They could just they do now. Yes, that's true. They do, but um, and maybe they'll lean on that more. But I'm just thinking like it'd be fun if whoever it is. Yeah, the, the 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 Pikmin short people are still around, so they could do more. But as I say, Star Fox as a mini series, like a Netflix tongue in cheek CG, basically Star Wars crossed with Zootopia, like they could turn that into something. But I don't think it's something Illumination would handle. It'd be someone else that like can capture that vibe. So yeah, I think I studio. yeah oh yeah they could do Muppets <laughs> yeah but um yeah I think I think there's like. It's interesting because I think we're at not – like I think a lot of people are like, oh, obviously the next thing is they're going to start building towards a Smash Bros. Cinematic Universe. I don't know if we're there yet because this was such a like trial run for Nintendo. And now that's worked this well, I'm sure they're like really reviewing options closely. But I don't know if there's anything already like locked in or in development. But it's very exciting that this is like a whole new frontier. This is like they just other studios yet. are like paying attention? Do you think like Capcom is like, oh, maybe oh, this is our time to do like Mega Man movie or – I a think Okami movie or something. You know how there's all this talk lately of like, oh, superhero movie fatigue? I think Hollywood found what to pivot to. Game adaptations. I mean, even yeah, just I mean, in the last few weeks, months, we've there's been a ton of licensing deal. I mean, Street Fire was just licensed to Legendary like a week ago. Um oh Minecraft God, movies coming in a year. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, I I guess if it they could get there someday, yeah. But um Kong Island. No, but um, yeah, it uh <laughs> it all comes back to Kong. Right? <laughs> all, yep. No, but um what was I gonna say? Uh I think a lot I think Hollywood's gonna be scrambling very quickly to like do what when Marvel first like came on the scene and Iron Man like blew up and then suddenly everyone was like, Oh superhero movies, yeah. I feel like we're we've been inching there. Sonic kinda opened the door to it. Detective Pikachu did decently enough, I guess. But I think like Mario's the the big flashing like light, the the big, you know, the big flashing arrow pointing like this is it this is hollywood's pivot is right i would be shocked if we don't hear about four or five licensed deals made in the next like over the course of the summer probably 
Leave it to Mario to trailblaze once again. Funny how he had both extremes. Because, you know, with the original yeah. Mario movie. He and started the curse this. and he ended it. Yeah. Wow. That's almost yeah. a beautiful tale in of itself. It really, it's so poetic. I, w- I will say it's interesting, though, because, like, to the point of, like, he started, like, I feel like what this moment is for Nintendo, you know, everyone's like, oh, what movie are you doing now? I feel like this is when Nintendo brought Donkey Kong to arcades in the 80s. It was like, oh, we have something here. We can do something. What if we did like a home con? Like what if we did these other – what if we spin off more? Like this is the Donkey Kong hitting arcades moment for Nintendo's cinematic endeavors, which means it might take a little time to get there. But the floodgates, like this, this is it. This is like Nintendo branching into a whole well, new. At thing. least we'll be able to see a good portion of it of our uh, in our lifetime. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd be cool with eventually some sort of Smash Bros. style crossover, but I don't think it needs to be like a blueprint that they need to map out now. I think they can let these IPs breathe individually, like Disney does. I think the fact that Nintendo beat Disney at their own game, at least with an opening weekend animation performance, really goes to show that Nintendo that can follow the Disney cool playbook. To think about, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so anyway, that's all I had on. So that your that. final thought on the Mario movie? That's my final thought. No, I don't. We only have how long we talk about Mario? It's only been an hour and eight minutes of Mario. We can move on. <laughs> all right. Well, the only other thing that I know that you too have watched recently because I haven't is the D and D movie. Correct. Oh, that's true. Kevin, do you want to take the lead on that? Because I've been talking a lot. What do you think of D and D? What did I think of D and D? What did you I actually want you to take me with it, so uh, I don't really have much. Really yeah, I feel like it was – I feel like – I think there's probably a reason neither of us thought to bring it up on the episode until we were already recording. Like it's fine. It's fun. I think That's Chris Pine – Yeah, Chris Pine's enjoyable. Justice Smith, who you, who you Nintendo fans may know from the Detective Pikachu movie, holds his own in this one. But yeah, it's very – you know how I was describing someone the other day actually was um, – it's like the vibe of Your Highness, if you remember that movie from forever ago with Seth Rogen and James Franco, where it's like kind of a comedic version of a fantasy movie that kind of poked at some of the tropes. But instead of it being like bad and not funny, it was okay and kind of had some moments. Yeah, that, that works, I guess, as a... Yeah. And I do think if you're like a... I, I think one thing it does, cool. Um, if you're a D&D fan... There are definitely moments where I'm like, oh, this is a reference that they'll appreciate. Like, I don't know what this is. Like, there's a scene with, like, a, a brain that walks by and only attacks smart people and it walks past all. I'm like, oh, that's, like, a joke that the, the, the diehards will get. But I did think one thing it did that was kind of cool is it did capture sort of spontaneity of what I imagine playing Dungeon Master is or, like, having to adhere to a Dungeon Master's, like, whims. Like, there are so many, like, zigs and zags. It's like, oh, now it's this situation. Oh, now it's that situation. Oh, now we're doing this. Oh, that plan didn't work because of reason X, and I have to do reason Y. Like, all that just felt very much like it was just, like, not dice rolls, but, like, it had kind of that vibe of, like, it was a very sort of flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. As far as the comedy goes, it was, like, a very inoffensive comedy. Like, yeah. never did any of the jokes feel beat-spirited. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, it was pretty, like, yeah, I agree. I guess it, I guess it was, like, I wouldn't call it wholesome comedy. Uh, but nothing about it was very edgy, which I appreciated for comedy in this day and age. Um, yeah, yeah, it didn't punch down ever. Correct. Which was nice. And, and yeah. I think if it did, maybe like once or twice, it mainly just punched down at Chris Pine's character, the main character. Oh yeah, but like they they inflate him to be like he has an ego. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it really just levels him back to being a normal person <laughs> more than uh-huh. like hurts. Yeah. 
But yeah, I'm trying to think of what what else. I feel like it'd be a great movie if you're um, like if you're a fan of fantasy films or D and D. Like, go see it in a theater because like they put effort. You could tell the people that made it really were fans of what they were doing. Like, it's yeah, all like like, like a lot of the movie. costumes are practical. Yeah, but, like a lot of the costumes, like practical effects. Um, like a lot of stuff where it's just like okay, like there was some care and some like TLC put into this, but. I don't know if you're not a diehard D&D person or a huge fantasy fan if you need to see it in a theater. I think you could get a lot of mileage out of it, like if it hits whatever. Who makes it? Is it Paramount? So Paramount Plus? Whatever it's on. You'll probably have fun watching it in an evening if you just want to, like, chill and watch something. But unless you're a bigger fan of the genre or the franchise, you probably don't need to rush to a theater for it. It's kind of where I'm at. Well, I don't know if, the, if that's your sort of assessment, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I think you nailed it. Okay. Next, Angel. What's the next well, movie on the list? We're doing all movies. <laughs> and that was the D&D movie. I Amazing. We'll we it... spent. It sounds like you guys gave it like a 7 out of 10. Sorry. It was like I, a 6 out of 10. I'd, I'd say like, yeah, like six and a half, seven. I'll give it a little higher. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, all no, right. it's definitely, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. It's amazing. We spent so long talking about Mario and so short talking about TNT. Goes to show we're called Randomer Nintendo and not Randomer Dungeons and Dragons. Is there enough you to talk about another movie, or is that it? I I got one. All right. Well, let's hear. I'm guessing about the Tetris movie. Yeah. If we want to talk about uh, back to video game adaptations, kinda. Um, I mentioned it before, but like the 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 the, the connective tissue of this episode is movies that play "Holding Out for a Hero," the "I Need a Hero" song. Because um, Tetris, like I said, does it twice in two it was languages. In D&D? Uh, no, but that's not a video game movie. See, uh, oh, I said only video game movies, but yeah, no. So um, it's it's funny because like in the same week we got a movie about Nintendo and Mario, and then we got this other movie about Nintendo, the Tetris movie. Which, unlike Mario, it's it, for those who aren't familiar, it's live action. It's a very Hollywoodified retelling of the uh, basically the rights battle to publish the original Tetris game outside of Russia. And um, I will say, even with the passive, well, Kevin, you ended up not seeing it yet, right? Yeah, I took a nap instead. Okay, I mean that's that's good for your health. Yeah, you gotta make sure you're well rested. Um, but I will say, even. Um, with with okay, how do I phrase this? I think so. I have a passing knowledge of the backstory of the Tetris rights battle, um, and Hank Rogers, who is the center figure of it. Uh, there's this great Nintendo history book I've talked about on the show before. Uh, Game over, press start to continue. Um, this book talks about not just the Tetris thing, but actually the Universal uh, Nintendo lawsuit over Donkey Kong versus King Kong. So another weird through line this episode. But anyway, um. Even with what the book informed me, I don't think I would have guessed a movie adaptation. I don't think not, – not only do I not think it would have existed, uh, but I don't think I would have guessed that it would be part caper, part like diet political thriller, and that would actually do it quite well, and it would actually be a lot of fun. Um, so obviously for me personally, there is an ad element in my brain going, oh, neat, because like this is in fact a weird little slice of Nintendo history that they're telling in this story. Um, and of course there's plenty of movies that adapt real-life uh, business stories and do it to varying degrees of success. I know, I think we talked about it before, Kevin, like social networks, like top tier for both of us, right? It's like, I love good, the founder. Yeah, the founder's a great one. Um, right now, there's um, 
the story of the Air Jordan at Nike. This is out in theaters right now. It's called Air. It's directed by Ben Affleck. It's supposed to be really good. Uh, there's actually a Blackberry one coming out in May that it looks a little kitschy, but it looks kind of fun. It's from ISC Films, I think. But having it be about, like, people you know from your own fandom of a brand like Tetris is and seeing how they, like, capture the likeness so well of someone like Nintendo's president at the time, Hiroshi uh, Yamauchi. Like, they got his, like, terseness, they, if that's a word, how terse he is, I guess. Uh, they have, like, his orange sunglasses, his orange-tinted glasses. Like, you know, they had the, like, directness and vulgarity that um, Howard Lincoln from NOA was very well known for, if you've read up, read up on him ever. Like, that was cool to see, like, that attention to detail. But in the grand scheme of things, I would say that... Um, Nintendo elements are relatively small here. Like, this is really the story of Hank Rogers and the many, many people who had their fingers in the Tetris pie, rightfully and wrongfully, and how that all sort of shook out. And I think um, the guy that plays Hank Rogers in the movie, Taron Egerton, uh, he really carries, like, major credit to him, like, he carries this thing. Like, he is such, like, he's such the heart and soul of the movie. Like, he's the main character by a long shot, and, like, it all revolves around him and it, he does a great job. Um, and one thing I found that was kind of interesting, uh, and I have mixed feelings on this, I think, is the movie has a style where they kept kind of being like, hey, this is about video games. And they did this by using sort of like pixelated 8-bit cutaways throughout the movie. Um, and I say I'm mixed on it because I thought some of it was actually kind of cool, but other bits felt a little weird. Like whenever they introduced a new character, they'd show like this little 8-bit version of the character with, like, a brief bio and their name and stuff. And those were, eh. Like, I mean, the quick cuts, now that I think about kind of remind me of Scott Pilgrim a little and vibe, but, like, I don't know. That that didn't work so well for me. But on the flip side, that, I thought it... That again? The whole freeze frame nameplate? Well, it wasn't quite... It wasn't just a nameplate freeze frame. They cut away to, like, a NES game screen, essentially, but just had the character there with the nameplate. And then they cut back. So the character was, like, mm -hmm. a little 8-bit, like, quirky-looking version of the guy. Um... And that was kind of weird to me. But then on the flip side, I thought it was kind of clever. And it did add sort of uh, to a frenzied pace that this movie already had. Um, that as Roger, as Hank Rogers kept like escalating who he had to talk to for the Tetris rights, they do establishing shots of the new city or country as like the start screen of a new level. Like you literally say like level one, level two, level three and show like a building from that country or the building he's going to or something like have a moniker, which is very silly in the same way the people one is. But that one kind of makes sense because, like, you know, the stakes and challenge go up with each step he takes in a movie to get closer to the original rights. So, like, it kind of makes sense that you, like, go up in level to harder difficulty. Like, I kind of got that. But um, my favorite, though, was – and this is sort of – it's in the trailer, but it might be a spoiler for those who haven't seen the trailer. So um, I'll give you a second to skip. Okay, my favorite was um, they do a car chase in the third act. And um, – I'm pretty sure the reaction to this car chase has been mixed online, and rightfully so, because the fact it reached the point in this movie where getting rights for the Tetris video game resulted in a car chase with the KGB and the implied direct influence of Gorbachev himself, who is Russia's president at the time, and I don't believe he had any real influence in the actual Tetris rights. I mean, they're, they're, there's taking liberties and there's taking liberties, but the way they did the car chase with the car, like basically the car would jolt into a pixelated version kind of whenever it made impact anything. Um, I thought that actually kind of was actually kind of cool. Did it make sense? Not really, but like, was it entertaining and kind of carried the movie's unique styling and pacing and everything? Yeah. Like it kind of, it kind of merged the cutaways with the real life stuff. And that, that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, definitely the liberties they took is where things get kind of 
crazy. So there is definitely truth to the movie, but they definitely embellish. And they embellish it to make it, I guess, more of a high-stakes situation. And I thought, you know, I, th- I thought they did overall a good job of taking what is admittedly a crazy story about copyright of a video game and made it into, well, a crazy movie over copyright for a video game. Uh, but it does work. Like, it's embellished for sure. But if you roll with it and ride with it, it's fun. Like, it's fast-paced. It has some heart. It borrows the right, like, subgenre vibes. Like, it has that feeling of, like, a caper film at time, like, kind of a crime caper. It has some spy movie elements, some, like, like I said before, like diet political thriller stuff. It, it's all there where it needs to be. And it, and they do a good job with it. Like, it's fun. You're not going to – I'm not going to spend an hour talking about it like I did Mario. There's not something that's going to necessarily, like, win all the Oscars. But it's a fun time, and it, you know, it has some roots in some Nintendo origin stories. So if you're interested in that, it's worth checking out, I'd say. And it's on Apple TV, so if you have a subscription, you can just pop it on whenever. It's a good time. So, yeah. so that's Definitely Tetris. Definitely plan on watching it. Definitely something yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. And I guess with that one, that brings us to the end of our episode and my duty. That hold, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Surprise attack. Angel. Yes. What is the secondary nature of this podcast? What do we talk about? Mm. I know where this is going. I don't know why I sound like Frankenstein when I acknowledge um, that. The yum to buck ratio? Wow, Angel. Close. I don't know how frequently we talk about that. But. Does it involve a four-letter word that's also the first half of an app that ends in chat? It does. Aha. Angel, can you figure it out yet? Angel has to say it. Nope. Let's try a different one. What does a camera shutter do? Snap. <laughs> All right, it's time for the <laughs> welcome to the snack pack, everybody. What, what do we what do we call it? Snap pack. Or... Yeah, and it's in the back oh, of the episode today. Oh, Marvel Snap! God damn it! Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I have, installed that played... game from my phone already. You uninstalled it? I did. You are Too missing out on what would probably your be your favorite season called Animals Assemble. No, yeah, I'm I'm still kind of keeping up with the meta by uh-huh. videos, but yeah, I haven't played it. That I, yeah. I also deleted Hearthstone and that other one, Brawl Stars. Yeah, very quickly, I just want to talk yeah, about yeah. the new season. Uh, the new season's card awesome, is though. Hitmonkey uh, from the TV show Hitmonkey and the comics Hitmonkey. Like uh, the Hulu Hitmonkey with Jason yes. Sudeikis? Gotcha. Yes, you're right. Is yes. that good? Is that show good? Uh, it know? got canceled, but... Uh, oh, and yet it has a that snap. Is a, that is, that's not a signifier of its quality. Uh, Hitmonkey's ability is an odd reveal, gain plus two power for each other card you play this turn. Uh, I've been playing him with a Sarah deck, and he is oh yeah, so good. Broken. He is oh so good, just out of nowhere. He's he's a two cost, right? That's nothing. But with Sarah, he's a one cost. And then if you play, what, five other cards, especially if you play with a Mysterio, that's, you're at least looking at a one cost 12 power card and that's not even including yeah, the other cards that you that you play he's, so, he's he's so so much fun the problem now with this season angel is... do you think if you if this animal kingdom <laughs> season started you would have gotten even more sucked in no the things were just getting too busy it was just mm. the time because i mean i could still jump back in i mean it just started it's not like I've missed too much so far. No, yeah, you it just started. We're on week one, I think. 
Who are, yeah, who are some of the other we animals? Week two. We just got to week two. I'm sorry? Oh. Who are some of the other animals? Is it like Cosmo and like Rocket or is it Yeah, like... so so Cosmo is is on the season okay. pass, but he but it's a variant. It's a really, really nice looking variant. Mm-hmm. Uh the goose is also a variant from Captain oh, Marvel. Oh, goose, the cat. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. He's also a variant this season. Uh and then they've been having bundles. So one of the current bundles that's a hundred dollars is uh God. Throg, Frog of Thunder. Which is just is that a is that a real thing in the comics? There's that is a real thing in the comics. That's amazing. Uh and it's just you know, it's just the Thor card, but he's a frog. But he's a frog, yeah. Correct. And then currently right now there's the Avengers bundle, which you get uh Booster Fantastic, then Ant Ant, and then Wait, Captain America. Dressed Captain as Ant Man. Is an ant dressed as Ant Man? Uh, it looks like the card just makes it look like a chibi Ant Man. To be honest with you, but, still though, but yeah, it's a it's an ant Ant Man. I'm not kidding when and I Captain say America. this. That the, the, between the the, the wordplay, the animals, actually, just between those two things, I may go back into Snap and check this out. This may this may get me come back for a couple weeks. I don't think it'll be long term, but I I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the season is, ha uh, this game has been plagued by the Shuri and Red Skull Taskmaster meta, and they haven't done anything to address that, but... Didn't they pull a different character recently due to some meta issues? Kitty yeah, Pride, Kitty Pride do, kept, uh, yeah, kept okay, breaking Pride, the game. That's right. right. Yeah, they're right. doing over-the-air updates now, uh, instead of doing monthly updates. From what like I gather... Fixes, basically, right? Yeah, so the over-the-air updates essentially will change from from what I gathered the over the air updates can only really change the cost and the power of a character it's the monthly updates that will actually change the character itself if that makes sense like the mechanics of the character yes yeah no, yeah that makes sense yeah yeah so interesting yeah so that's you know and they can only do so much with over the air updates um and he did it with a few characters. I don't remember off the top of my head what they did him with this most recent time. I think it was just Red Skull. They changed him from 13 power to 12 power. Uh, but Shuri is next on the list of getting nerfed, apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll be very interested in seeing how she gets nerfed. Um, and what yeah, that then does to the she meta. Is a menace right now. What? As you're saying, what that then does to the meta, like the ripple effect of nerfing her. Yeah, exactly. Like right now, the meta is yeah. dominated by by Shuri, Red Skull, Taskmaster, and Thanos decks. I think are like huge. Oh, and Galactus decks, which Galactus decks are kind of tricky to try and beat. But I don't know. I still haven't got Galactus. I'm looking forward to eventually getting him. That'll be fun. But uh, yeah, that was the snapback. Back to you, Angel. And I take it back to Jathan <laughs> for the. Housekeeping. I was going to say real quick, weird side note, you know, when we were guessing, when we said Snap and Angel still didn't pick up on it. Imagine if, like, this was 20 years ago and we were talking about Pokemon Snap, and then we started throwing around terms like hot fixes and the meta. Like, it's so interesting how all these terms have sprung up in gaming that literally didn't exist a couple decades ago. Like, it's like a whole different world, gaming. Anyway, beautiful. Isn't that's, it? I sound like I'm on drugs. You're like, whoa, gaming's different now. But yeah, okay, housekeeping. Here we go. Uh, so... Thanks for tuning in to our mega movie episode. 
Uh, you can find future episodes that may be just as mega in movies or games or who knows uh, by following us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo, by subscribing to us on all the podcast apps. Those include, but are not limited to, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and our YouTube channel, which is at Random Nintendo. Individually, we are also on the internet. I am at JSR7 on Twitter. Angel is at Wero, W-E-R-R-O underscore O at Twitter. And Kevin is at KVN Gomi on Twitter. And I don't know why I'm using this tone of voice all the time. But Angel, I turn it back to you now. All right, well, I... Guess we'll turn it back to Jason for the final word. Wait, I have the final word too? What? Okay, uh, okay, fine. Uh, I retroactively, I would like to retcon every Donkey Kong Country game to be re- renamed Kong Island. <laughs> <laughs>